The Beginning of the End Written by Eric Lee Garcia Audiobook Version Plot Synopsis Alejandra's crew prepare to bring down Mr. Black. Eric and Gabby go to the movies. Fresa is released from prison. 1. The Scary Movie 2. Beyond the Walls 3. Fresa's Return 4. The Night Before 5. Taking Down Mr. Black 6. Pancakes and Waffles 7. The Animal 8. The Surprise Bullets. Extra Thoughts. This is indeed the beginning of the end in many ways. Volume 1 will consist of 12 chapters. Chapter 11 is the penultimate chapter of Volume 1 meaning that Chapter 12 is a season finale of sorts. This is one of my favorite chapters as it guides us closer to an ending. We also get an update on Adam along with Ophelia's dating life. Will Fresa forgive Alejandro? Will Alejandro's team succeed in bringing down Mr. Black? Who will survive? Who will die? Find out soon enough. Enjoy. Disclosure. Let me remind you that several storylines here are fictionalized slash fictional. This is not a biography or of any relation to real people, places, or things. Scene 1. The Scary Movie. 3.09 PM. March 28, 2014. We open up to Eric and Gabby sitting next to one another in an almost full theater. The movie begins rolling the credits. Eric claps to himself. People all around start getting up. Eric. I thought it was a good movie. Gabby. It was cute. Eric. I don't know if cute would be the best way to describe this movie. Well maybe a little. Gabby. We got the cartoon movie off of our list. Now we get a scary movie next. Eric. What's that movie about again? Gabby. It's about this possessed doll. That's all I know. People were saying that it's scary but I think it's a bunch of baloney. I'm a horror fanatic. I've seen almost every scary movie, at night, in the dark, alone. Eric and Gabby begin getting up from their seats as they walks down the stairs with the rest of the people. We can finally see their outfits. Eric's wearing a tuxedo shirt with khaki shorts. Gabby's wearing a bright red shirt and light colored tight jeans. She's not wearing shoes again. Flip flops with white colored toenails. Eric looks down noticing them. He then looks up as to not fall forward or crash into someone. Gabby. You like scary movies, right? Eric. I've never really been afraid of scary movies except for one guy or shape. Gabby. Who? Eric. The shape? Gabby. Who's that? Eric. You don't know who the shape is but you call yourself a horror fanatic? Michael Myers? Gabby. The guy who voices Shrek? Eric. Wow. I don't know what I'm going to do with you. Halloween. Big kitchen knife. He stalks babysitters. I'm sure you've heard of it. Gabby. That's what scares you? Eric. That blank face. No emotions. It can give me the creeps. I can watch anything scary including those but if I ever wake up having a nightmare, it's because Michael Myers is in my nightmare. I'll wake up sweaty and my heart pounding 100 miles per hour. Gabby. I don't really have nightmares anymore. Eric. Anymore? Gabby. When I was a kid, I used to have the same nightmare. They continue walking in the dimly lit movie theater hallway. Eric. What was it? Gabby. Let's just say that I don't like tall buildings for a reason. Nope. They scare the shit out of me. Eric. Are you serious? Gabby. Dead serious bruh. Eric. Gabby is scared of heights. At least you're scared of something and now I know your secret. I might just use that secret to destroy you one day. Gabby. Is that you or the creepy clown talking? Eric. Both. Gabby. Should we go to IHOP after this? Eric. I don't see why not. They approach a theater room that says Annabelle. They enter as the door closes behind them. The screen goes black. Dash. Scene 2. Beyond the Walls. Thanksgiving, 2048. 10 PM. The camera takes us closer and closer to a jail cell. The camera awaits to see who shall be seen. It shows Adam Swanson almost unrecognizable with a beard in his prison jumpsuit. He sits up on his bed and stares at the prison bars. Almost as if he could see past the bars and see everything that he once had. He could feel everything he's ever done. He feel every emotion at once. His jail cell is opened and it's another prisoner. More likely his bunkmate. Bunkmate. Why the long face captain? Swanson. I don't belong in here. 
Bunkmate. Nobody ever really belongs here. We just get put in here. Swanson. How long did you say you've been in here again? Bunkmate. I've been here three years almost, and you've been here almost three months. How could you forget that we have talked about this? Swanson. I'm a good man. Well, I was a good man before. Bunkmate. Were you now? Swanson. I had the greatest life. I had power, money, a family that loved me unconditionally, a wife who dealt with my constant belittling, drinking, drug abuse. I let everything get to me. Bunkmate. I know what you mean. I had a girl like that once. And then she dumped me so I slashed her tires. The cops used excessive force because I'm brown. Swanson. But, you're white? Bunkmate. Hey, I'm Mexican and they were using excessive force. Maybe it was because I threatened to cut her next. Yeah, that was probably why. Hey, wait a minute, I'm better too. Swanson. Well, last week you almost got into a fight with some other guy because he got chocolate pudding. You're not exactly Mr. Nice Guy Man. He raises his voice with fury. Bunkmate. I got anger monkeys. He lowers his voice. Bunkmate. I can't help it. Fuck you Swanson. Swanson. Learn to fucking control it man. Bunkmate. I could do that? Swanson. Shia. What bolt in your head is loose so I can tighten it for you? Of course you can control it. Only you are in control of your life, nobody or nothing else is. I had a son you know, who, who adored me. I was his hero his white knight. I haven't seen him in god knows how long. He probably hates my guts I'm sure. Bunkmate. Now you don't know that. Swanson. Maybe I don't, but I'm sure I'm not on the top of most liked people at the moment. I wonder what his mother tells him. She was the love of my life that woman. I wouldn't be surprised if she tells him lies so I don't look bad. Bunkmate. My father used to tell me that no matter how many times I beat you, it's only because I love you son. Swanson. Holy shit that's awful. How is that related to this? Bunkmate. Regardless of everything, he'll always love you. Love never stops between a parent and their kid's man unless you're like a murderer but you're not. Swanson. It's been almost three months since I've talked to any of them. I was put on a restraining order by the judge. It was the best thing for them. I was, I was a fucking mess before they locked me up. I was snorting cocaine like there was no tomorrow. Drinking like a sailor. I was one charming motherfucker. I always have been really. I think I've done too much damage to my family. There are some things that aren't forgivable. Bunkmate. It's never too late. She may have a restraining order on you, but I'm sure you can give her a call anytime you want. How could she have the prison number blocked A? Swanson. You think she would answer? Bunkmate. You'll never know if you never try. I try calling my ex-girlfriend from time to time you know. She never answers. I think that means I should take a hint. I'll try again another day, I'm sure she's just busy. Swanson. I, I should call them. I should. I could. Of course. They are my family and family is forever. Well, it's forever but I'll have to be lucky if one of them answers my phone call first. Bunkmate. Maybe today will be your lucky day. Swanson. Maybe buddy. Maybe. How was your dinner tonight? Bunkmate. Hey. It was better than last year. Swanson. Really? Bunkmate. Bro, it wasn't that good last year. Two years ago was the worst one of all. These two guys got into a fist fight and we all had to eat in our cells. Swanson. That doesn't sound entirely bad. Bunkmate. Some of us like to converse with our fellow prisoners bro. Swanson. I guess it's better than not talking to anyone. Swanson almost cracks a smile as the camera zooms away slowly as him and his bunkmate laugh. Dash. Scene 3. Phrases return. EXT of jail. The day after Thanksgiving. 7.56 AM. November 27, 2048. The camera approaches the prison gates as they open with a woman wearing black heels a tight black dress that wraps around her body perfectly stands on the other side. The sun is barely rising above the horizon as she takes each step approaching the car. The camera shows Fraser from a bottom to top view. She looks like a movie star walking down the red carpet. She always thought she could have been a celebrity but she never took the risk. She continues walking forward as a black car awaits for her. Smith stands in front of the car waiting for to get closer. He opens the door and helps her into the vehicle. 
He nods and closes the door as she enters the car. He waves at the guards watching from a distance and enters the vehicle. Sir Smith. Good to finally see you Miss Guiterrez. Fresa. It's been too long Smith. They continue driving for a while and the sun begins shining even brighter than it originally was. Fresa. How is he, Smith? Sir Smith. Oh well, you know the sir is quite well. He just finished his workout a while ago and was in the shower when I left. I'm sure he's up and about by now. He's been expecting you. Fresa. Has he now? Sir Smith. I wouldn't be worried miss, he wanted to meet you at the house and not somewhere else, so I'm sure you will be fine. Perhaps a slap on the wrist. Fresa. I hope he's in a good mood. Sir Smith. I forgot to mention how beautiful you look Miss Guiterrez. I can only imagine how long it had been since you were able to doll up. Fresa. Oh Smith, it had been too long. You get used to wearing orange jumpsuits all the time, but I needed an outfit and thank God I was able to find this one. I had one of my people bring me everything to get pampered before I left prison. They begin pulling up to Alejandra's driveway. Smith exits the vehicle and opens Fresa's door. They both walk towards the front door with Smith letting Fresa in to go first. Sir Smith. You go ahead, I'll be in a bit. I have a few errands to run myself. He's waiting for you in the kitchen. It was nice seeing you Miss Guiterrez. Fresa. It was nice seeing you too Smith. Thank you for the ride. Smith closes the door on himself and exits the scene. Fresa walks through the hallway slowly staring at the walls in the hallway. She sees a picture of Alejandro and Brian and stares at it with awe. The scene switches to Alejandro's POV. She enters the kitchen and he takes a look at her. He then looks to see her again and he tries not to keep looking at her because she's a distraction. Fresa. Alex? Alejandro. Come on in. Fresa. Well, this is a surprise. Alejandro. I've been expecting you. Have a seat. I had Smith make us breakfast and such. I'm sure it's been too long for you since you've had a good cup of coffee. Fresa. I haven't had a good breakfast in a long time for sure. I had plenty of coffee in prison with Dr. Hannah Jacobson. Alejandro. Did you? Well, that's good. Coffee never hurt anyone. Fresa. I suppose not. Alejandro pours Fresa a cup of the coffee as Fresa sits down slowly. He hands Fresa the cup of coffee calmly across the table. She then prepares her coffee with four little milks and four splendas. It was her usual coffee. Fresa inhales the coffee and it gets a smile out of her almost emotionless face since she arrived to Alejandro's home. She then takes a sip and nods to herself. Alejandro. How is it? Fresa. It's perfect. Alejandro. You always did like it with a little of everything. Fresa. I've always done the best I've could for this family Alex. I had a big problem and I should have gotten help sooner. I was never this, this weak to give in. I'm, I'm ashamed of myself. I am. Really. It's embarrassing really. Alejandro. Don't worry sweetheart, let's just have a good breakfast and then we can talk business. Fresa. I've been dealing with this family's bullshit for too long for you to tell me to wait. We can eat and talk business. Alejandro. Very well Fresita. I'll start. Alejandro reaches for and shakes the ketchup bottle. Alejandro. I know I kept you locked up but I did it for the betterment of you. I didn't want you to go too far. God knows once you start it's really hard to stop. I felt bad, yes, but I hired the best doctor in America to help you. I wouldn't have done that for anybody else. Then again, you're not just anybody. He pours ketchup on his eggs and closes the ketchup bottle with a clack. Fresa. I fucked up. I can admit it. I'm, I'm sorry. I do believe that perhaps you went too far by leaving me in prison when you could have just as easily gotten me out but yes, Dr. Hannah helped. She helped me see a lot of things really. I was, I was angry at you most of the time I was in there but I was really angry at myself. How could I let myself get that deep with this shit? Ugh. God knows what could have happened if I didn't get the help in there. Alejandro. You could have ended up hurting yourself or hurting someone else. I wouldn't want to be the one that puts you down but if I had to, believe me, I would. She looks at him serious keeping eye contact with him as he tries to avoid the eye contact. Fresa. I don't think I'd be able to kill you. I've killed plenty of people over the years, but killing you would be killing a piece of myself that, I don't plan on letting go, if ever. Alejandro. Now granted, it probably wouldn't be easy, 
but if push came to shove, I would. Fraser, if I asked you to kill me right here right now, would you? Would you shoot me between the eyes and watch me fade away? Fraser stares into Alejandra's soul and sees everything. She's afraid but she accepts the fear willingly. He stares right back seeing that she stares into his soul. He almost comes to a smile but he doesn't. Alejandro. That would be more difficult than it sounds, now wouldn't it? Fraser stands up and turns on the radio. Start Me Up by the Rolling Stones begins playing from the beginning of the song. She hires the volume of the song as she looks at Alejandro with those eyes of hers. Fraser. How would it be more difficult? You said it yourself if push came to shove, you would. Is it because I'm special to you huh? Am I special? Am I special to you Don Alejandro? Alejandro. You, you've always been special to me. You know that. And maybe you always will. Fraser. Then how could you kill someone who is special to you huh? Explain it me please. Alejandro. Business is business but, the past will always hold a special place for me and you. She begins walking towards Alejandro. Fraser. Are you going to kill me? Alejandro. Hmm. Hmm. Maybe someday I will need to, but that day isn't today. Fraser. If you won't kill me, should I at least be punished? Don't I deserve to be punished? Alejandro. I think three months in a jail cell is more than enough punishment wouldn't you say so? Fraser. You're not understanding me. Fraser stands up and sits on top of Alejandro's lap and blows in his ear seductively. He tries to hold back his urges. She puts her hand on his chest and slides her hand lower and lower. She reaches his waist and stops. He stares at her almost as if she cast a spell over him. Her hand goes lower and he laughs and she smiles as she abruptly grabs his gun from his gun holder. He stops laughing as she points the gun at him. The mood gets serious for a moment. She motions for him to stand up and to follow her. She walks seductively down the hallway as she continues to point the gun at him and she orders him to raise his hands so she can see them. They walk towards Alejandra's bedroom seen in the pilot. She pushes him onto the bed. He lets himself be thrown onto the bed. She smiles almost being proud of herself. She mounts him still pointing the gun at him. Fraser. I need to be punished Alex. It's been too long since I have been punished. I need to be punished and I need to be punished hard. Alejandro. Some things never change do they? Fraser. No sir. Alejandro reaches for Fraser's ass as she grinds her hips into him. At that instant second he grabs the gun from her hands and turns it around on her as she lays on the bed on her back in roll reversal. Both of their heartbeats can be heard in the background as the tension builds. Alejandro. You deserve to be punished. Fraser. Put that gun down and get over here now. The music stops playing immediately. Alejandro puts his hand on Fraser's throat and chokes her as she struggles to breathe. Alejandro. Who's in control? He points the gun at her as she struggles to speak as her face turns red. Fraser. You are. Alejandro. And who am I? Fraser. You are in control Don Alejandro. The song begins playing again as Alejandro throws the gun to the floor and he gets on top of her as they begin making out aggressively. She tries to also take off his suit and he stands up unbuttoning his suit. She stands up and tells him to sit down. She unzips the zipper from the back and it falls to the floor with the camera showing her panties and no bra in place. Alejandro smiles and she throws herself on him. The song fades slowly as the screen goes black momentarily. The scene opens with the clock on the wall showing it's 8.39 am. Alejandro and Fresa lie in the bed on their own separate sides. They don't cuddle with each other but keep their distance from each other. Fresa looks at Alejandro and Alejandro looks right back at Fresa with a smile of satisfaction. Fresa. That was a, worthwhile punishment. I haven't had a punishment like that in a long long time. Alejandro. It was, something. Fresa. Some things never do change, do they? She smiles to herself and stares up at the ceiling and throws a quick glance at Alejandro. She notices and you can see the crack of a smile on his face. Alejandro. I need a shower. Alejandro leaves the bed and walks towards the bathroom. Fresa. I'll join you. Alejandro. If you insist. Fresa. While I am insisting. I want a shower that doesn't have a guard stare at me like I'm some kind of animal. I would love to wash that body of yours. Alejandro smiles as she looks at herself in the mirror. He catches her checking herself out in the mirror. He turns on the shower and catches Fresa staring at his ass now.
Fresa. Your ass looks great. All those years of working out blessed you. She slaps Alejandro's ass as Alejandro laughs. Alejandro. I'm going to take a bite out of your ass if you don't behave yourself. Fresa. Bite me ha. The screen goes black as they enter the shower. Dash. Scene 4. The night before. 11.49 PM. November 27, 2048. The camera shows a car flying by a busy traffic street. George and Marco sit in the vehicle as George smiles maniacally behind the wheel. The passenger, Marco, actually has his seat belt on as he bears witness to all the laws George has broken on the street. The car keeps moving switching from lane to lane. He almost hits another car several times. He cuts off an old lady and doesn't even apologize for it by picking up his hand. He proceeds to flick off the old lady and presses the pedal to go even faster. The car passes a red light and gets honked at by another car. We are taken to an exterior shot of the car. Flashy and shiny. Only douchebags with money drive these kinds of cars. The camera then gets closer to the man. The man has a pair of sunglasses on. The wind blows his hair almost perfectly back. The sun isn't shining bright as it was earlier that day. The clock on his car reads 4.58. He smiles as the wind blows past him. The wind has picked up and blows across his face like a nice breeze. The driver pulls into a Whataburger parking lot. If you don't know Whataburger, have you ever really eaten? He parks his car gently and then proceeds to walk out of his car. George closes his door calmly as if closing the door hard would ruin the car. Marco slams the door hard as George gives him a look. George. Damn it Marco. Just kick the fucking car. Nobody cares about it anyways. Marco. Hey, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sure I'll find a way to make it up to you. George. You're paying for my food asshole. Marco. Get in the fucking restaurant you cry baby. George. Ha ha. The camera shows Marco wearing a plaid pair of jeans and a polo jacket with a pair of regular running shoes. His outfit looks clean compared to George's outfit. The camera shows his outfit from toes to head. Black boots. Jeans folded at the bottom. Black leather jacket with a white t-shirt. He looks like he could be a greaser on the set of Grease. The camera shows his pants dirty as if he had been through a shuffle of some kind. He brushes them off but the stain doesn't go away. His plain white shirt is even marked up by brown stains of dust or maybe dirt. Marco. Here's a 20. I gotta hit the crapper. Marco exits the scene to go to the bathroom. George walks on ahead to the counter to place their order. Cashier. Yes sir, welcome to Whataburger, how may I help you? The scene goes silent. Cashier. Your total is 19.96. Cash or card sir? George. Cash. I got a 20 on me. Marco's a lucky man. Ha ha. He hands Marco's bill to the cashier. Cashier. Here's your change and your number. We'll call you when it's ready. George. Thank you. George sits down peacefully on the bench. He takes out his phone and starts chuckling to himself. A couple of moments pass. An old man joins him and sits down next to him. George. How you doing? Old man. Not well, thanks for asking. These people here see me as something that should have died 10 years ago. They see me as a bother. I can't even go to the bathroom without getting looked at funny. The old man turns to look fully at how George is dressed. He stares in complete shock. He breaks out in laughter, almost as if he hasn't laughed in years. George. What's so funny old man? Old man. Ha ha. Just look at that outfit that you're wearing. What do you do for a living? Scare people? I think you'd make a fine scarecrow. George. Actually, I work for a cemetery. Laugh it up and I'll see you sooner than you think. Old man. That mouth on you boy. Didn't your mother teach you to respect your elders you little shit? If I were five years younger, I'd kick your ass. George. Let's go for a walk around the block. I'll kick your ass just in time to get my order. It'll be quick and painless. Come on, let's go. George stands up taunting the old man. Old man. Ah you poor son of a bitch. Don't get me rattled up. I'll kick your ass into next week. I fought in wars boy. Wars that aren't even in those history books of yours. George. I fought in wars too. Active war zone areas 9 out of the 10 times. George sits down. Old man. Well, fuck you then comrade. He pauses and his tone of voice changes to old innocent man. Old man. Nice talking with you soldier, God bless you.
Take care of yourself out here. The world's a scary place. Old man stands up and talks to the cashier and speaks with patience in his voice. Old man. Is my food ready young lady? Cashier. Sir, you picked up your order 30 minutes ago. You sat at that table with the mess and just went to go sit down at the bench you were at right now. He slowly walks away and exits the establishment. Just as the man leaves, George's number is called. He walks towards the register looking at the cashier confused. George grabs the big order. George. Thanks kid. He begins leaving the place and pulls out his cell phone from his pocket and raises it to his ear. George exits Whataburger just as Marco exits the bathroom and follows right behind him. They begin walking towards the car. George. Johnny boy? John. George? Have you all been told about the situation? George. Yeah. I can't believe we're this close to catching the piece of shit. How are you holding on over there? John. I brought Rex with me so I'm good ha ha. Are you all getting burgers without me yet? George. Yeah. I just got a couple of burgers for me and Marco. That's nice man. Yeah I bet it's a little vacation for you huh? You're always busting your ass ha. Huh? It's about time you get away from all this for a while every once in a blue moon. John. When are you all coming over? George. We should be taking off tomorrow morning. John. That's a bit weird that you all are coming a day early. George. Vireal suggested we go a day early and get settled in and then discuss our plan of attack. John. Well, that's why he's the sheriff. George. Yeah the old man's a smart man. John. Bend over for him already ha ha. George. Ha ha. You son of a bitch. I miss you man but I'll see you soon. John. Alright ha ha. George. Bye. John. Bye ha. The call ends. Marco. Who was that? They both enter the car. George almost has a maniacal smile on his face as he enters his car. The car is turned on and George stays smiling like a little schoolgirl while staring at Marco. Marco. Was it Johnny boy? George. Yeah it was. Marco. What'd he say? George. He said he missed your ass. Marco. Really? George. Nah. Marco. That's messed up. Did he miss you? George. He missed me a little. Marco. I don't know what makes you so special. George. I just have a way with people, what can I say? Ha ha. Marco. Get the hell out of here. They enter the car by opening their doors and turn on the car momentarily. The screen goes black as they begin driving away and the pedal is pressed excessively. Dash. Scene 5. Taking down Mr. Black. Noon, 12 p.m. November 28, 2048. We see Mike aka Mr. Black exit his vehicle with three of his crew members. Mr. Black. Should I try something new today? Bernard. I don't see why not boss. Mr. Black. What are you going to get Jimmy? Jimmy. I'm thinking some breakfast. Mr. Black. They serve breakfast after 11 o'clock? Jimmy. Nope but that doesn't mean they won't make it for me. Ha. Everyone laughs as the other unnamed man opens the door for all of them as they enter the restaurant. They look around as Black takes the steps in front and choose a booth in the far right corner of the place. We see the man with his colorful suits wearing a blue suit that day. Black smiles at him and waves at him as blue suit waves back nervously. They approach the booth as we get a look at the almost empty place. We see an old man with a cane and a hat sitting down a couple of tables away with only a coffee on his table, along with two men having long hair and smoking cigs at their booth about two booths away. A family sitting down at a table in the middle of the place, and a man with messy hair, sunglasses, and his head down on the table. We go back to Black and his people seated. The server begins walking towards them. Server. Here are the menus guys. Mr. Black. Thank you, doll. How are you? You look sexy as ever in that little outfit. Can I call you sexy ass? Server. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. I actually tried today. Sexy ass? I like it. Let me know when you all are ready okay? I'll be back soon Han, one second. The server goes to attend the old man as black and his men decide what to eat flipping through the menu. Bernard. I don't know if I want a burger or a steak. Jimmy. I'm going with breakfast. They haven't had a problem with it yet so I don't see why they'll have one now. 
Mr. Black. I don't know what I should get. Damn it. Maybe I should speak to the cook. Bernard. Why don't you go with the pasta? Mr. Black. What pasta? Bernard. Yeah, it comes with buffalo chicken. It's on the second page of the menu. Mr. Black. Ooh. That sounds exciting. Okay. Fine. It's decided. I'll go with that. I will go with that Bernie ha. Let me call the server over here. Are you all ready to order? Or do you all still need more time? Jimmy. I'm ready. Breakfast. A breakfast plate of chorizo and egg and for them to melt some cheese in there too. Oh yeah. Mr. Black. That sounds like you want your stomach to hurt kid. Too much grease and then all that cheese. Uck. I guess you're still young. Bernie? You ready? Bernard. I'll go with the hamburger. No. Yes. I'll go with the steak. Mr. Black. The steak and a burger are almost the exact same thing damn it. Just pick one. I'm starving and they still need to make the fucking food. What about you Vic? I just realized wasn't Charles supposed to meet us here? Where is that man? Did he say what he wanted? Vic. I thought he said he wasn't going to come. Mr. Black. When did he say that? Vic. I believe he mentioned it yesterday. He said he had a family emergency or something. Mr. Black. Well, don't I feel like an imbecile? Yeah, he did. Right, right. Vic. I guess I'll go with turkey and Swiss sandwich with fries. Mr. Black. Good choice. Good choice. Sexy ass. Hey. Sexy ass. The server exits the kitchen with a notepad and gets her pen ready. Server. Sorry. Sorry. I took longer than expected. What'll you have today? Mr. Black. I'll have the pasta with the buffalo chicken. Server. Okay. Good choice. One of my favorites ha. Vic. I'll have the turkey and Swiss. Server. Your side? Vic. Seasoned fries. Server. Okay. Sounds good. You sir? Jimmy. I'll have breakfast. Server. Huh. Okay. Breakfast. I tell you the same thing every time you come but only because you're a good customer. What'll you have? Jimmy. I'll have the breakfast plate of chorizo and egg and if they can melt some American cheese in there. Server. Okay. Yes. Got it. You sir? Bernard. Um. Mr. Black. Just order the burger damn it. Bernard. Fine. I've made up my mind. I'll have the burger. The one with bacon. Server. Okay. The bacon burger. Everyone loves that one. You want all the veggies Han? Bernard. Yes. Server. In the burger or all on the side? Bernard. On the side please. Server. What kind of cheese? Bernard. Swiss. Server. Okay sounds good guys. I'll put the order and your food should be right out. Mr. Black. Thank you sexy ass. Bernard steps out of the booth and walks over the bathroom and Jimmy goes for a smoke outside. The server blushes as she walks away and heads to the kitchen. We see Black and his men laugh for a moment as we see a man in a suit that is wearing sunglasses and clearly has a gun to his side enter the restaurant. He enters and walks through the booths and walks over to the owner in the blue suit. He stands in front of him as if waiting for the owner to recognize him. Sunglasses. Do you have the money? Blue suit. I told you I need more time. Sunglasses. You left me no choice. Everything that happens next is on you. Sunglasses reaches for his gun and fires it upwards to the ceiling twice to startle everyone. Sunglasses. Everyone on the ground now. Everyone screams and almost all of them get down on the floor immediately except everyone at Black and Vic. Sunglasses grabs blue suit and gets him out of his chair and points the gun to his head with him wanting everyone to see what he's going to do. Sunglasses notices Black and Vic still sitting down and not down on the ground. Sunglasses. Are you deaf? Mr. Black. Excuse me? Sunglasses. When I say get down on the ground, everybody gets down on the ground. It wasn't a question or a suggestion but an order. Mr. Black. What are you rambling about? Sunglasses. Oh. You're a big man huh? I'm the one with the gun asshole. Mr. Black. I have a gun too and so does my guy in front of me. And my other two associates, where the hell are they? You'd think they'd hear two gunshots. 
Sunglasses lets go of blue suit as he falls to the floor and starts staring in Black's direction. Sunglasses. Get all the money ready. Let me handle this fucking clown first. Mr. Black steps out of the booth as everyone at his table just watches on. Sunglasses holds his gun steady in his hand to his side and gets closer to Black. Mr. Black. Look. You seem like a nice fella but you don't know who you're talking to. Sunglasses. Ha. Maybe I don't. Who are you? Mr. Black. The name's Black. Mr. Black. Sunglasses. Any relation to Jack Black? Mr. Black. Hardy har har. A funny man. Let me ask you a serious question. Are you really going to kill the owner or is that just your scare tactic? Sunglasses. I have orders to kill him. Mr. Black. Orders from who? I'm from the criminal enterprise as well. Sunglasses. It doesn't concern you who the orders are from. All I suggest is you stand back or one of these customers can end up hurt. Mr. Black. You think I give a shit about these people? Kill them all for all I care. Except sexy ass and the cooks in the back because we're hungry and we need to eat. Sunglasses. So you wouldn't mind if I kill that old man kneeling on the floor near you? Mr. Black. Oh please. That old man looks like he can barely walk. I'll kill him myself. Sunglasses. I'm willing to wager on that. Kill the old man and I won't kill anyone else here. Mr. Black. I've killed better and much stronger men than this old man. Sunglasses. So you agree with me that it would be cruel to kill the fucker with a gun? Mr. Black. Ha ha. Oh please. I could kill this man with my eyes closed. Sunglasses. I'll bet you can't do it. Mr. Black. Watch me. Black puts his gun back to his side and reaches for a knife in his pocket as the blade retracts out. He walks over to the old man and stands him up. The old man groggy as it is already as it appears the old man got vertigo and almost keeps falling. Mr. Black. Stop fucking moving. Black is about to stab the old man as the old man dodges the blade with Black pushing him down to the ground. He even kicks him as the old man groans in pain before raising his knife and speaks before ultimately finishing off the old man. Mr. Black. I don't know who this man is or who this man was but he will be dead ladies and gentlemen. Everybody say goodbye. Ha. Huh. Stuck in the middle with you by Steelers will begins playing. We see Jimmy with the cigarette in his hand smoking as a man walks behind him and smacks his forehead with a brick as Jimmy goes falling down in slow motion. We then see Bernard in regular speed enter the bathroom. He enters the stall and leaves the door open with his back to the door as he does his business. We then see someone grab a toilet tank cover from the bathroom next door. They walk over to the stall where a tall man appears to be urinating and is struck in the back of the head with such an object. Bernard falls forward as his face hits the wall. We then go back to what just happened moments before the montage began. The old man then quickly rolls out of the way before the knife comes down and injects Black in the leg. Black is barely able to stand on his two feet as his head starts spinning. He then falls to the ground almost passing out immediately as Vic gets riled up. Vic gets up and pulls out his gun as the old man stands up straight and takes off his hat and his wig. We see it's Johnny Boy. John in disguise. He is able to grab the gun out of Vic's hands as a couple of gunshots are fired in the air. Sunglasses runs across the restaurant in slow motion with Vic able to overpower John and grab his gun. He throws it on the floor and throws a couple of punches to the stomach. Vic then throws John on the ground and pulls out his gun. Sunglasses then fires a single bullet at Vic with Vic letting go of John and falling face down on the ground. We didn't see where the bullet hit him. Sunglasses takes off his sunglasses and takes off a fake wig and a fake nose. We then can see it's George. Our George. He gives John his hand to help him up as George gets a little laugh out of the whole thing. The song ends. Julio exits the bathroom as he swipes his hands back and forth. Gustavo opens the entrance door and holds the door open for someone else to come in. We see Black starting to stand up as an EMT wearing a face mask enters the restaurant saying go 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 with a stretcher. They walk to the far end of the restaurant moving a stretcher all way to Black's proximity. The EMT grabs Black and throws him in the stretcher. Black tries fighting it as the EMT pulls out a shot and injects Black in his shoulder as the plunger is pushed down. The EMT then watches as Black is passed out and starts moving out of the restaurant. We get one last look at Bernard bleeding out in the restaurant in the middle stall as a blood pool begins surrounding him. We then see George wave at blue suit. They exit the restaurant as they see Jimmy bleeding out on the sidewalk with blood pouring from the back of his skull. They load Black onto the stretcher into an ambulance as they turn on the emergency lights and exit into the distance. 
We then see John is seated at the passenger seat with Marco driving the ambulance. We then see the EMT seated in the back take off his face mask and we see it's Vireal. The one and only Sheriff Vireal. He sighs but with relief. Vireal. We got him. We finally got him. We see George standing at the back of the ambulance with Gustavo seated next to him. George. The Don will be proud. Gustavo. He'll be very pleased, yes. George. We should call Julio to see if the police arrived already. Gustavo. I bet they're still not there. It's a small town. The number of police in that area is small. They'll probably be there in another 10 minutes. He said he'd wait in his car peacefully. Vireal. He was like my nephew this one. Gustavo. Duele. He was like family to you. To us. We watched that kid grow up. Vireal. All to throw it away for what? Let me call Alex. Vireal reaches for his phone and dials Alejandro. Vireal. Everything went according to plan. We are dropping off the package at the designated warehouse. Alejandro. Lock him up in the cage. Have people watch him and I'll stop by later today to pay a visit. Is Julio still at the scene? Vireal. No worries. Yes he should be. The police should have arrived by now. Alejandro. Good. I'll call him after this phone call. I'll see what he says. Vireal. Very good. The call ends as everyone watches black strapped and tied down to the stretcher. Dash. Scene 6. Pancakes and waffles. 6.19 PM. March 28, 2014. We open up to Gabby and Eric laughing with one another as they enter a restaurant of sorts. We see two empty benches that are probably filled on weekends but they're empty today. They stand in front of podium waiting to be attended. Gabby. Where should we sit? Eric. I don't know. Gabby. Maybe that one. Hostess. Hi. For how many? Gabby. Two. Hostess. Follow me. They begin following the hostess as she leads them to a booth in the middle. Hostess. Is this a good spot? Gabby. Yeah, um, not really. Can we have that booth in the corner? Hostess. Uck. Sure. Why not? The customer is always right apparently. Ya do ya da. Eric and Gabby walk with a happy beat in their feet as they walk to the corner booth. The hostess walks behind them and places the menus in front of them. Hostess. Your server will be with you soon. Gabby. Thanks. The hostess walks away. Eric. Hey. Not a bad booth. Why'd you want a corner? Gabby. Why not? Eric. True. Gabby. What should we get? We should get something sweet. Eric. Why something sweet? Gabby. Do you not like sweet things? Eric. I love sweet things. Are you really asking me if I like sweet things? Gabby. I don't know why I want something sweet. Maybe I want to balance things out. We had salty salty popcorn at the movies but now, I think I want some pancakes or maybe some waffles. I don't know. I was just thinking. Eric. Something sweet would sound deli. Gabby. For once you say something right and with such class. Deli. Ha ha. Gabby begins pulling out her phone as she pulls out a small charger out of her pocket. She plugs it into the wall socket near their booth. Gabby. See? Problem solved. My boyfriend's hasn't been texting me. What an a-hole, am I right? Eric. No comment. Gabby. Okay. Okay. You can at least pretend to like him. Eric. I do like him. Gabby. You are such a liar. Eric. I'm not. I like him. He's pretty. He's nice. Gabby. You think he's pretty? Eric. He's kind of pretty. Yeah. Sure. Gabby. Okay. You don't have to lie. Eric. I don't like lying. I'm like honest Abe but without the beard. Gabby. Or being on the $5 bill. Eric. Or being president. Gabby. Or being on the um, on the penny? Eric. Yes Gabby. Abraham Lincoln is on the penny. Gabby. Excuse moi for not being educated enough. Eric. Ha ha ha. You, you are something else. Gabby. A good something else? Eric. 
Yeah, sure. Why not? Eric looks at the menu as Gabby looks at the menu too. They look at it wondering to themselves what they should get. Eric. Are we going to go with a stack of pancakes? Gabby. I don't know. Maybe I'm a waffle kind of girl? Eric. Are you a waffle kind of girl? Gabby. I really don't know. Am I? I like both. Eric. I like both too but if you had to live with only one, which would it be? Gabby. That's a hard question. I don't think I can answer that. I like both. Eric. What if you had to choose? Gabby. Okay Mr. Smarty Pants, which would you choose? Eric. That's easy. Pancakes. Gabby. Why? Eric. Because I don't need a pancake maker to make a pancake. All I need is a pan. To make waffles, you need a waffle maker. Gabby. You prefer pancakes over waffles because they are easier and simpler to make? Eric. Basically yeah. Gabby. Hmm. Interesting. You know, I used to be like you. Pancake lover. I was all over pancakes but ever since my mama got the waffle maker, I haven't gone back. Waffles reign supreme. There's nothing like that fluff from a warm waffle. Eric. Pancakes have fluff. Gabby. Not like waffles, they're both good. Don't get me wrong. This girl ain't hating on pancakes but I have simply evolved into a better version of old self. Call me Gabby 2.0. Eric. Anyways, should we share a stack of pancakes? Gabby. How about this, I get a waffle with whatever flavor of pancakes you're going to get and compare the flavor, the texture, and everything else. Eric. This sounds like a trap. Gabby. How is this a trap? Eric. I think you just want both. Gabby. What if I do? Does that make me a bad person? Eric. It makes you a strange person. Gabby. What's so wrong about being strange kitty? Mwah ha ha ha. She says with a scary voice. Eric. You're going to give me nightmares. Gabby. He he he. The server begins walking towards their table as they look at the server and almost stare at him. They turn to look at each other squinting at one another. Eric. I'm going to want a three stack of chocolate chip pancakes. Gabby. I would like a waffle with chocolate chips. Server. Okay. Anything else? Eric. Waters. Two of them. Server. I got you. Eric. Don't even get me started on the different flavored syrups. Both Eric and Gabby laugh with one another as the camera pans back. The screen goes black. Dash. Scene 7. Phrases return, conclusion. 1.39 PM. November 27, 2048. The scene begins with Fresa and Alejandro having a cup of coffee with each other. We see both of them smiling and laughing with each other. You can see that both of them are shining in that dining room. They look like better versions of their original selves. Alejandro takes a sip of his coffee and enjoys it like as if he hadn't had coffee in years. He smiles before he begins speaking. Alejandro. Fresa, we are glad to have you back. It's good to have you back. Fresa. We? You? Both? Alejandro. You know what I mean. Fresa. I wish I did know what you mean honey. Alejandro's phone begins ringing. He answers it. It's the phone call he just had with Villarreal. Fresa's eyes get big real quick as she's able to overhear the conversation. The phone call ends. Alejandro. They got him. We got him. Fresa. I don't know what to say. I'm glad really. Mike needed to be take care of. Alejandro. He did, didn't he? Fresa. I had him dead to rights Alex. I had the gun pointed right at him. I was going to shoot him right in the chest Alex and he hands me an envelope that was supposed to be a letter for you. Being the person I am, I, I grabbed it. When I grabbed it, my whole body went numb except my neck and my face. Everything else completely numb. I couldn't feel a thing. I was angry. He took me out by a birthday card. The poison got me, well, I can only assume it was from the birthday card itself. He said he wanted me to give it to you. Alejandro. That's, terrible. Fresa. After I was incapable of moving, he kicked me down and then Steven tried to beat secrets out of me. Alejandro. But he didn't. Fresa. No, he didn't. Alejandro. He is an insane individual who will get what's coming to him. 
You know he will. Stephen already met his end. Fraser. I just, I can see why you'd be upset at me. Not going to visit me at all, not once. Not one time. His plan worked. Alejandro. Well, he's caught now and that's all that matters. His plan didn't work because you did get better. He probably didn't think you would get better or that we would get better too. Fresa. There's only one thing that worries me Alex. It's a big one. Alejandro. What is it? Fresa. How did he come back? Could it be possible that? Alejandro. He has someone on the inside? Yes. I worry for that too. I don't know. I can't say. I can speak for all of my men that none would ever do such a thing but, maybe there is one. Fresa. What else did he do? I'm sure he didn't just stop at me. Alejandro. He had me arrested in front of my children by police officers. Fresa. What? How? Alejandro. He hired fake cops who used to be real cops by the way, he had them arrest me and make false claims about me. I knew they were fake the moment I laid my eyes on them but my kids were right there. Am I supposed to kill two supposed police officers in some public restaurant? Fresa. It wouldn't have been the first time you did. Alejandro. They put handcuffs on me. They handcuffed me in front of my children. My children should never have seen that. They don't need to know about that side of my life. The worst part of it all is you would think he did that for Steven's death but he didn't. Fresa. You killed Steven? Alejandro. A couple of days after you both got arrested. My people found him rather quickly and that worries me. Mike, this sick man, was the one to call the police on you and Steven. He was the one who placed the phone call. Steven, well, he needed to die. He wanted to fight me and I let him and then I, I beat him down. Then I got my hands on a bat and he fell. It ended with three gunshots to his head. Then I had my men cut him up into pieces at the other warehouse and dump pieces of him throughout the area. Fresa. You, you did all of that for me? Alejandro. I did what needed to be done. Fresa takes a sip of coffee as Alejandro thinks to himself. She begins speaking. Fresa. You know, I'm sorry your children had to see you that way. I'm sure your children will discover the truth sooner or later Alex. Alejandro. I wish they'd never find out the truth but I know that one day, they will. I dread those days. Fresa. I'm sure they'll accept you with open arms. Alejandro. You don't believe that. Fresa. No. I don't believe it but maybe you can. You've always been good at making yourself believe lies, including your own. Alejandro. I had to fight my whole life to where I am today and now when everything is perfect in my life this whole thing had to be in the background. It upsets me. Fresa. Always the fighter weren't you? Alejandro. Sometimes, I impress myself. With this age and time, I still can kick ass with or without a gun. Fresa. The great Alejandro. Hmm. Alejandro. I'm so great they say but I still don't know how to get rid of Mike. I want a punishment worse than death for him. He's a dangerous man, always has been. Fresa. I think I may have an idea for what to do with Mike. I thought of revenge many times in prison. One idea floated in my head for too long. Alejandro. What is it? The scene ends and the screen goes black. Dash. Scene 8. The Unanswered Prayers. 7.28 PM. November 27, 2048. The camera starts with Brian sitting down in the kitchen eating what looks like mac and cheese. Alejandro enters the kitchen and Brain greets him with a big hug. Hugs like that don't even exist anymore. Alejandro. How you doing little buddy? Brian. Oh. 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 This mac and cheese is really good. Alejandro. Well, I'm sure it is since your mom made it. I've been telling Smith he should try making her recipe but he just can't seem to perfect it yet. He'll get there. Brian. Grandpa, when I finish here, can you keep reading where we left off last time? Alejandro. I was in the mood to hear some of my old friend's stories. Where did we last leave off? Brian. I think we left off with Gabby getting a boyfriend. Let me just finish my mac and cheese and I'll meet you in the library. The scene fast forwards to Brian and Alejandro in the library. The scene is almost a montage with silence, only showing emotions. Alejandro reads to him as Brian smiling and listening to the whole story. Alejandro laughs a little. Brian's eyes go wide open with Alejandro continuing to read. 
It goes on for about 30 to 40 minutes. Alejandro and Brian then proceed to sit down with Alejandro clutching the journal in his hands. Alejandro. Well, how is it so far? Brian. When will Eric and Gabby ever get the justice they deserve? Alejandro. I guess we'll have to keep reading to find out, but not today. Let's talk about the whole story so far. Brian. Well, Eric's gotten to almost three push-ups. I don't really understand the point of him saying that. Alejandro. Well, maybe there's no purpose to it. Maybe it's just to show us that he's pushing and pushing like we all should be in life. Maybe you can't understand that right now, but one day, you will. I like how Brandon is back. I've read these stories multiple times, but each time, I appreciate the little details in the story. I've read ahead of these stories and right now it's happiness and laughs but that's not always the case. Brian. Well, yeah I know. He wrote multiple pages about his day at work with his dad. His dad is I'm sure a good father, but maybe he could have done more you know. Alejandro. That's how all fathers feel son. All fathers feel they could have done a better job with the kids. I know from experience firsthand. Brian. You never asked me about my dad grandpa? Alejandro. Well, why would I ask about him? Brian. I'm sure if you have files on my mom and uncle Andy, I'm sure you have a file on my dad. Alejandro. There are things that just don't need to spoken about son. Brian. My dad loved me grandpa. I know that much, but the man that loved me, he's gone. He's been gone for a while now. Alejandro. Don't say that son, your father may not be the perfect father, but he is still your father. He loves you and there's no doubt about it. Brian. I overheard my mom say that he's in jail, is that true? Alejandro. I feel like that's a question you should ask your mother buddy. Brian. I know he is. I know he's in jail. Only bad people go to jail. Is, is my dad a bad person? Alejandro. I can honestly tell you that I don't know anything about your father's son, but everything I've heard is nothing but good things. Has your father made mistakes? What father hasn't? Brian. Why? Why must my mom lie to me? Alejandro. Your mother loves you son, as do I. She's, she's protecting you. The world can be a cruel world son. Everything your mother does is to protect you, you may not see it, but any parent would side with her. Maybe she's wrong not to tell you certain things, but I'm sure she has her reasons. Have you tried asking her? Brian. I'm scared to ask grandpa. Alejandro. Why would you be scared to ask her? She's one of the few people in this world you should be able to speak freely with. Brian. I don't know if I want the truth. Alejandro. The only truth is that your father loves you and will always love you son. You may not have the perfect family because Eric didn't nor did I. Brian. How was your life growing up grandpa? Alejandro. I grew up alone son. What I wouldn't have given to have a family. The only person I grew up that was almost like family was my friend from the park. The kid and his parents lived next door to the orphanage. They loved me like their son. I loved them like my family. I never knew my real parents, just like my very own children. They then moved away and left me. They couldn't take me because I didn't want to leave. They were moving too many miles away from where I grew up. I couldn't agree to that. I stayed in the orphanage and grew up on the streets as a young boy. I, it was a sad point in my life. That all changed of course when I met my friend Roy. He molded me son. I am forever grateful to that kind-hearted man. The only difference is that they had a family that gave them everlasting love. They had everything they could ever need or want. Something I would have treasured if I had the same, but I lost it. I often wonder how different life would have been with the Cardozas. Brian. Life's just a big joke isn't it grandpa? Alejandro. Ha. Ah, it really is. It really is son. It's one great big joke. Sometimes we laugh too much or we don't laugh enough. Brian. Should I talk to my mom about it? Alejandro. I would son. Only she has the answers that you seek. Brian. I guess it wouldn't hurt to ask questions. Alejandro. Unanswered prayers cannot be answered unless you pray son. Brian. Maybe I should try doing push-ups like Eric. It's hopeful you know. Alejandro. It's hopeful for Eric because he's on the heavy side, but it can be hopeful for you too. How many do you think you can do? Brian. Hmm. I don't know. I've never actually done them. Alejandro. Why don't we put on our workout gear? 
Let's see what you can do. Brian. I know that I can do more than three for sure. Alejandro. Ha. Ah, I hope so. You already said you could do three so we'll see what you got. The screen goes black. Dash. Scene 9. The Animal. 4.04 PM. November 27, 2048. We enter a big empty warehouse. There seems to be a little dust collecting in the air. The medical team enters the warehouse with Mike on a stretcher and Vireal right behind them. They place him down on the warehouse floor inside the cell. Mike still lays with no movement. One of the medics injects the needle into Mike's neck. Vireal watches on. He then begins locking the cell up with a lock and chain. It's a cell that we can see is bolted down to the floor and is enclosed by cell on the top as well. He's trapped like an animal now like he should be. One of the medics hands Vireal a couple of needles in a clear baggie. Medic. Here's a couple more in case you may need them. I gave him a small dosage moments ago. He should be awake in an hour or so. Maybe less. Vireal leans into her and speaks to her. Vireal. If his people find us, I'll know it was because of either of you. I'm trusting the two of you and I don't like trusting people. People can't be trusted these days honey. If you are part of his people, you best believe that I will find out. Medic. Yes sir. We can be trusted. Vireal. Good. Have a safe trip back. The camera pans back with Vireal pulling out a chair and sitting down. The camera is now focused on the cell and Villarreal from a side view showing both. He pulls out a box of cigarettes from his pocket and reaches for a lighter in the other pocket. He lights the cig and enjoys the cig almost as if it were his first cig. He begins speaking to himself. I know I quit, but some things, we can never let go. The camera pans back on the side view and now shows a black SUV pull into the outside of the warehouse. Another gray vehicle enters slowly behind the black SUV. It's Alejandro and Fresa arriving separately to the warehouse where the finale is heading. The screen goes black as the warehouse door is opened and Vireal sees who it is. Alejandro and Fresa enter each dressed accordingly. We see the man in the black suit and the woman in a much more conservative black dress enter the warehouse. They walk by the cell and see Mr. Black laying unconsciously on the floor. They then approach the smoke cloud with Vireal still sitting down on the chair. Vireal throws the cigarette away and steps on it. He begins speaking to them. Vireal. Fresa. It's good to see you darling. Vireal hugs Fresa and she hugs him back. Fresa. It's about time you all let me out. Vireal. Ha ha. We needed you to get better, you know that. Fresa. It was for my own good yes I've, I've been told. Alejandro stares at Mr. Black's body laying there. Vireal leans behind Alejandro placing his hand on Alejandro's shoulder. Vireal. What's the plan for Mike? Alejandro. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what's enough of a worthwhile punishment for him. I want him dead but perhaps he deserves something much worse than a fast bullet to the head. Vireal. I suggest a hanging. That's how people did it many years ago. It's slowish, much more exciting than a fast bullet to the head. Perhaps we could burn him alive? Alejandro. If we do that, we'll have to invite George to see that. He'd love that ha ha. Vireal. He is a twisted little shit that one. Ha ha. He stops laughing and looks at Fresa. Vireal. Do you have any ideas Fresa? You are the one who was put behind bars because of him. Fresa. I was telling the Don here that I had one idea in particular. He's heard it. I think he liked it. Alejandro. Ha ha. It's not a bad plan. Vireal. Well, I don't really care what the plan as long as this piece of shit suffers. That's all I care for. Fresa. I think you'll like the plan Vireal. Alejandro. He will, but it requires other amenities that we don't have at our disposal. We will need supplies. We will need the whole family's help including your family Fresa. We'll need their help. By tomorrow night, he'll be nothing but a distant memory this one. First things first. Here's the plan Vireal. The screen goes black. Dash. Scene 10. The surprise bullets. 12.47 PM. November 27, 2048. We see Julio sitting in his car humming along to a song on the radio. He taps his hand on the wheel as a car pulls up right behind him. He also see an ambulance arrive as well. Julio looks around and sees two men exit the car parked behind him. He recognizes one of them. They walk right by him as he lowers his window.
Julio. What the hell? What are you doing here? Pow. 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 We see two men but don't see who they are as they just fired their weapons at Julio who we see a bloodied and more likely dead as he lies in his seat with perhaps six bullets in himself. We see the EMTs of the ambulance load up Jimmy onto a stretcher, and then exit the restaurant with Bernard and Vic on their own stretchers loaded into the ambulance as the two men walk by Julio's car. The screen goes black as the last image we see is the ambulance driving away and Julio shot dead.